Welcome to Business Inside, a podcast which strives to shed light on the insight you need to elevate. So I would like to welcome today's guest, David Donde, the founder and CEO of True Coffee. So David, tell us, how did you turn your passion for coffee into one of the best coffee shops in the world? Uh, kind of a long process and it started off uh, with me having, uh, I was farming and I had a farm stall and thought I made great coffee until an Australian or Kiwi came into my place and they looked at me strangely and when I gave them coffee and they were always disappointed and in about 1999 I visited New Zealand for the first time, my brother got married there and I finally understood what artisan coffee was, not knowing that it was even a thing. Bought a book, uh, returned to South Africa. Long and the short of it, a few years later, I bought a country hotel. And one of the things I knew is that I had to uh, use fresh coffee. And nobody would deliver fresh coffee out to me in Grayton, which is 150 k's out of Cape Town. And uh, one guy said, but hang on, I know about a second-hand coffee roaster. So I uh, bought this little roaster, did one kilo at a time. And I started making making coffee, and that, that changed everything. And I got really lucky because I had nobody to show me the ropes. So I didn't have any preconceived ideas, approached with an open mind. Uh, fast forward a couple of years later, I opened the first artisan coffee roastery in Cape Town. And then in 2009, I opened Truth. And at that point, we wanted to do something world-beating. And we actually set out... To, to create one of the best coffee shops in the world. And a couple of years later, we got acknowledged for that. So there we are. That's awesome. So let me ask you, was it one of your objectives to be the best coffee shop in the world? Uh, I won't say the best. Uh, we don't believe there is a best, uh, although we got the accolade for it. Uh, we, we wanted to be one of the best, and we wanted to be one of the best artisan coffee roasteries. Um, in the belief that there isn't a best wine, there are, are truly great wines and everyone below that. And uh, it's always been our passion to be one of the greats. And I think we've achieved that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, congratulations from my side as well. Um, Thank you. David, my, my next question is, have Truth Coffee been in the same location since 2009? And why did you not choose, for, for example, a location like Camps Bay or the Waterfront? So the first store was uh, chosen for one reason and one reason only. It was cheap. We were bootstrapping. Uh, we had limited investment, and that was what we had. The second one was based on a conversation that I had with a, with a friend of mine. We were working on an unrelated project. He turned to, turned to me, and he said, and this is a designer, Haldane Martin. He said, uh, David, you know what you are? while we were walking through the waterfront, and I said, what, Heldad? And he said, steampunk. And in this moment of epiphany, I knew I had to build a steampunk cafe. So I spent another year looking for the right building. So really putting it in Camps Bay or, or the waterfront would have created a uh, two-fold challenge. I wouldn't have had the right environment. But secondly, um, you know, quality and tourist attractions it tend not to be believable inside each other. Um, and I think when you when your location is the draw card, one tends to be able to make compromises that one wouldn't make else uh, otherwise. And I don't think I would have had world status if I had rested on the laurels of an easier location. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think architecture and, and location were actually the helper. I mean, there's a great book 
uh, on, on the theory of constraints. And we often think that true creativity requires no constraints, but it's not true. You need good constraints to create something amazing. Uh, having said all of that, you know, our theme sometimes fights with perceptions of quality where people think we're all about the looks. And at least that was the perception I got from regulars in Cape Town where they go, ah, it's cute, it's nice, you know, and then suddenly we get the uh, best coffee shop in the world and they go, oh, I've said it's the best in the world all along. <laughs> and this change of tune <laughs> which was kind of funny. So, you know, uh, one has to be careful about adopting a theme um, that it can be distracting from the main mission. But we, okay. we made sure that, that it was just part of our, of, of our joy and the experience we're giving, not the reason for the experience. David, next question. What would your advice be to someone that wants to disrupt their industry and draw attention to their product or service? That the idea of disrupting as an outcome is a foolish errand. You need to do something great. To, to make a ripple in the, in the pond, you need to not uh, rattle a saber and just make a noise. You need to do something significant. And my advice is it's easy to succeed in business. Either be the best or the cheapest. I can't talk about being the cheapest, but you need to be the best in the world at what you do. And I think it's super easy to be the best in the world because it's a trick to it. And I always tell everyone this. The trick is you get to define your own world. So, you know, in, in the world of artisan coffee shops, uh, I set out to be the best. I didn't set out to be, you know, the best in a more blanket environment. And I think anyone can pull that off in, in their business and be the best in the world. Just define your business really tightly. Do innovative stuff. Uh, you know, first principle thinking. We all tend to, to understand the rules of our business or the rules of our environment. And those rules invariably aren't true until somebody interesting comes along and goes, is that really the rule or is there a rule further down below that that, that makes you think that's the rule? So it's, you know, you want to win a competition, look at the rules. That's how you win competitions. Not, not by a better performance, by a performance that matches how the rules make you work. And, and the world and life and business is no different. It's just that nobody prints the rules. We have to investigate what they are ourselves. Uh, you're a keynote, uh, keynote speaker on strategic advantage and opportunity creation through creativity and Kamiwaza. Don't know if I pronounced yeah. that correctly. Uh, I what don't advice? Know you did either. I, I have, <laughs> but I don't know how to pronounce it. Yes. What advice do you have for someone with a business idea? More about yeah, Kamiwaza. No. So let me define Kamiwaza. Kamiwaza is doing things with a godlike uh, ability, and that's that's not that you're champion. You know when your nine-year-old self ran that 100-meter race, and if you're like me, you came stone last or second last. But you ran your heart out. You, you ran with that joy, that absolute 100% commitment. And forget the 110% commitment. There's no such thing. You ran with all your heart. When you do things with that kind of joy, you start producing results, especially if it, it's got an intelligent base point. You know, Tom Peters in In Search of Excellence in the 90s wrote about a concept called Ready, Fire, Aim. And that has guided me a lot. You, you can't just you know, shoot before you know where, where the target is. You figure out roughly where the target is. You pull the trigger and you see where it landed and you adjust. And if you keep doing that, if you keep looking at, at the effect of what you're doing and you're doing it with that godlike purity, you know, you, you, you have to succeed and you have to not give up. 
it, it's one of the, the toughest things. I think when one looks at entrepreneurs, the grit that it takes to succeed. Um, you know, everyone talks about the overnight successes. You know, our overnight success for truth was pretty quick. It, it, it took, what, five years, you know, and I'd had a previous business that, that also, you know, uh, went a little bit viral. That one took seven years. You know, you tell me, I don't know of any overnight successes that were truly overnight. So what yeah. would your advice be for someone with a business idea? Uh, still like an artist, go and find best practices inside and outside of the industry you're in and go and apply it in a new and novel way that is interesting. And, you know, the secret to marketing is tell a, a true story that's worth repeating. And uh, that's not an easy thing to do because, first of all, whatever you're telling has to genuinely be a story. It has to be true. You're going to get caught out if it's not true. And it has to be worth repeating. But if, if you can... If your concept is worthy of that true story worth repeating, people will hear about it. People want to talk about interesting stuff. And I think that is be interesting. That's not the same as be loud. That's be genuinely interesting. So where did the mind change come from? Let's say, for example, you came last or second from last in a 100-meter race to reaching the success yeah. you have reached today. I, I think it, it's focusing down. It, it, for me, it was finding something that was fascinating enough, something that I didn't run out of out of runway. Um, and for me, it's also been about understanding what a brand is. It's not a logo. It's, it's understanding that everything you do and say is part of your brand and, and deeply, deeply understanding your brand. And then, and then the important thing is people. You have to work with the right people. You have to Make sure that your advisors aren't an echo chamber who just smile sweetly and tell you, you know, how nice you are and how clever and sweet you are. But, uh, you know, actually act as genuine advisors and, and tell you when you're full of shit. And you need that around you. And then, of course, great people working with you, for you, alongside you, suppliers, customers. You, you, need, to, you need to choose your environment carefully and who you're with because nobody can build anything on their own. We need, we need great people with us. And I think, you know, our companies, as much as we like to put, you know, the credit to the founder, uh, the founder only sets the strategy. The, the people are the difference between success and failure. Uh, so what is your yeah. favorite aspect of being an entrepreneur? <laughs> I hate being an entrepreneur. I wish I could be content <laughs> with being a salaried individual. It would be a much easier path, especially in times like this. Um, but I think for me, it's, it's the freedom to, to invent, to play, to tinker. And, and that does bring me joy, and especially when that is successful. You know, the success itself is, is transient. Whatever you achieve, uh, if you if you at least, you know, somewhat intelligent, is so transient, it, it's that moment. You know, you get the award for best coffee shop in the world. And the first thing you think is, now what are we supposed to do? You know, what's our next? And, you know, you, you don't get to sit there and open that champagne and just enjoy it for months or years. You, you go, uh, we can't tread water. We're going to drown. You know, we need to yes. we need to go forward. Okay. On that, so after you won the award for the best coffee shop in the world, how did you maintain or how did you get re-rewarded in the following year? How did you maintain that consistency and that level of excellence? 
I think it's the angst that we're not good enough, uh, that there's always a better way. And for me, it was judging at a coffee uh, competition in New York when I realized that everything I'd been ch chasing in coffee, this idea of acidity was wrong. And what I was really looking for was sweetness. And what made that interesting wasn't that I'd found that my, my first principle was wrong. It's that I realized that even in this new principle I got was only temporary until I found an even better way. And knowing that there is so much more that we can do and that we can we we can push the boundaries further and that you know i, I there's there's always this uh i forget the term now um that you get that anyone who's an expert in anything feels that they're going to be uh, caught out as imposter syndrome that's what i'm looking for um, and when you're a leader in, in, in a field where however small it is, you sometimes feel that you're going to be an imposter. I mean, if somebody asks me a question carefully enough about, you know, milk uh, chemistry or, you know, or molecular structure of something, I, I feel like, you know, they're going to find where I'm truly weak, which, which would be true. Of course, I don't have to be strong in that field, but you, you've got this nagging feeling that you don't know enough, that you aren't good enough, and, and that pushes you forward. And uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, what, do, what did I say? You, you need to, you know, to be absolutely sure of yourself, you need to be in, incredibly uh, dumb or, or, you know, or have some serious psychological flaws. All right. David, what has been your greatest inspiration? Uh, hunger. What key activities would you recommend entrepreneurs to invest their time in? Um, work on your business, not in your business. And keep learning. So in closing, David, where to next for Truth Coffee? I don't know. We're facing a brand new world with, with brand new challenges where uh, the new normal isn't even vaguely understood yet. And uh, I don't know what the next six months or even the next two months will bring. Um, I'm trying to unpack it as we speak, and that's, the, that's my job for now. Winston Churchill say, uh, you know, don't let any good crisis go to waste. So we've got to figure out how to do that. Definitely. David, thank you very much for your time and your business insight that you shared with us. Thank we you. do appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Business Insight. Please send us your feedback, share it with your friends and please subscribe to the show.